Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and I'm just so glad you're here. This podcast is designed to dig below the surface. We're going to talk about everything from life to love and pretty much everything in between. So go ahead and leave that Superman cape of having it all together at the door because life is freaking messy. Don't I know it. Now, not only are we going to be real, we're going to have some fun too, because Lord knows I will find any excuse to bring up Beyonce or the latest episode of The Bachelorette. So if you're a new friend, welcome. Make sure you're subscribed to the Refined Collective podcast on iTunes. And if you're an old friend, welcome back. And would you do me a quick favor? Hop on over to iTunes, leave us a five-star rating and written review. I would be so grateful. Finally, if something stands out to you in this episode, go on and slide into my DMs on Instagram. I love hearing from you. It's at The Refined Woman. Now let's go ahead and get to it. Welcome to another episode of The Refined Collective Podcast. I am your host, Kat Harris. Raise your hands if you want kids one day. Or maybe you're like, girl, I'm not trying to have kids right now and I don't even know if I want to have kids. Or if that's just so far off in your future that you're like, Kat, come on, why are we even talking about this? I'm focusing on my career. This is my time. It's my eat, pray, love journey. I hear and see all of you for wherever you are on the journey about whether or not you want to have kiddos. Um, Fertility is something that I've become so passionate about in the last year as I enter into my mid-30s, single, wanting to have kids, not knowing when or if that is going to happen, and just trying to learn as much as I can. And I think the more and more in life, I think I want to approach every aspect of my life with a growth mindset, with just a posture of humility and openness and a willingness to learn and and admit when I don't know things. And there's just so much about fertility and reproductive health that I honestly do not know, did not know, still do not know. Like literally guys, I just figured out last year that I have a regular period cycle. I always thought it was irregular and I'm in my thirties. All that to say, I'm in a season of my life where I'm just trying to learn about fertility in my body. And I'm so passionate about you having that information as well, because the more I learn, the more I ask myself, why did I not learn this in high school? Why did I not know this 10 years ago? So my first big episode on fertility was with Dr. Natalie Crawford. If you haven't listened to that conversation Listen to this one first and then go back and listen to that one. And today I had the honor of talking to Afton Vetchery. She's the CEO and co-founder of Modern Fertility. It's a women's health company that makes personalized fertility information more accessible to women everywhere. The company provides fertility hormone essentials from at-home tests to digital tools to help women being proactive about their reproductive health, whether or not they're trying to have kids. The company's core offering is an at-home fertility hormone test that gives women ongoing insight into fertility and how it's changing over time. 
Modern Fertility also supports women with pregnancy and ovulation tests and digital tools like the Modern Community, as well as a free digital phone app, which I cannot wait to download right this very second after I'm done recording this, all to make it easier to understand unique cycles and ovulation patterns. Previous to Modern Fertility, Afton worked in healthcare, private equity, strategic operations at various health tech startups, and most recently ran the consumer tools division at 23andMe. Modern Fertility was awarded Fast Company's Most Innovative Healthcare Company in the World and one of CNBC's Most Promising Startups. Afton was named to Forbes 30 Under 30 list and Inc.'s 30 and 30 list. She is a graduate of Wake Forest University, where she received a degree in neuroscience and business and entrepreneurship. Y'all, basically, homegirl is a freaking baller. She was even on the cover of Entrepreneur Magazine this month, y'all. So let's get into it. I'm so excited for this conversation with Afton. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. And I also, I feel like I'm feeling super insecure. Did I say your last name correctly? Oh yeah, you said it perfectly. And don't okay. worry, I, I, I'm used to all the, the versions. <laughs> well, you just told me right before I pressed record. And then I was like, oh crap, did I just make that up? Story of my life. I feel like my whole name um, when I was a kid, um, yeah, Afton turned into Ashton Kutcher, turned into Affleck, the awesome. car commercial. So yeah, I've, I've thick skin. I've shared this a few times on the podcast. I don't know why I feel like so like intentional about how I pronounce my name. Cause it's like, no matter what, if I'm on the phone or checking into the gym and they're like, what's your name? And I say, Kat Harris, they think my name is Pat Paris (laughs) with a P. And I'm like, first of all, who would name their child Pat Paris? Like what the heck? (laughs) Oh, I kind of like it though. It has a ring to it. Pat Paris coming to you live. Um, okay. Oh. You're having a really big week over at Modern Fertility. Um, first of all, you're on the cover of Entrepreneur Magazine this month and hello, congratulations Yeah, that on was that. so cool. It came out today uh, and we saw the screenshot and yeah, it was pretty cool to be uh, alongside some, some pretty, pretty cool people. So that was, that was super fun. Oh my gosh. There's a lot of people on the cover, but it's also Sarah Blakely, um, from Spanx, just really, really powerful women. And so I'm excited to be talking to you. Um, why I know about you is because you guys offer the at-home AMH test, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but you also just launched your pregnancy test and your ov- ovulation testing at-home kits. Um, so h- tell me about all of that and how did you guys get started with it? Oh my gosh. So so much there. Well, thank you. I think this has been such an exciting month for us with launching three new products. Um, so, so yeah, I think, you know, this, this all got started for me, um, back coming out of of school, I ended up working at a healthcare private equity uh, investment fund. And my job was to find sectors of healthcare that were interesting, growing, had some consolidation potential. And I ended up spending a lot of time in women's health just because of my my personal interest in the space. Um, And through that process, ended up looking at fertility. And from an investment perspective, fertility was interesting because it... um, 
people were paying a lot of money for it. It was growing quickly. Um, so I ended up learning the business side. I learned the science side. Um, but it was really the emotional aspect that stuck with me. Uh, as part of that process, I had to go into infertility clinics uh, and talk to women. Um, and I was living in, in New York City at the time. And these were, you know, executives uh, that I was uh, feeling so fortunate. Oh, gosh, I, I must have been 22 at the time um, that were sitting down with me and telling me, you know, no one had ever told them that fertility declined with age or no one ever told them that IVF in vitro fertilization wouldn't work for every single uh, person that, that tried. And I think that that experience um, really stuck with me. And there was something that just wasn't quite right about how that whole system was set up and how education uh, around uh, fertility uh, and reproductive health um, went down. And so, um, you know, fast forward, uh, years later, um, I, uh, was working at 23andMe, uh, the direct to consumer genetics testing company. And I realized that I was waiting until later in life to start my own family. And so I went to my OBGYN and I, um, said, Hey, you know, I, I remembered these baseline tests that I had learned about back in my, my private equity days to just kind of get a baseline level of, okay, like, where's my body? Where are my hormones? And my OBGYN said, no, you're not actively trying and failing to have a child. And so I'm not going to order these tests for you. And so yeah. I had to go into an infertility clinic uh, to get the testing ordered. Um, it, oh gosh, it took me probably a, a couple months to get the testing done because you have to um, test on a specific day of your cycle. That's a, a story we can get into later. Um, but when I finally got those results back, um, the information I had uh, to have a conversation with my partner, um, myself, my doctor, it was just so empowering. Uh, and then I just started talking to my friends and realized that that was this, this aha moment was that women were demanding more information about their bodies so that they could make the decisions, uh, that were right for them. Uh, and the, the kicker was, um, at the end of that process and testing through a, a clinic, I got a bill in the mail for $1,500 and that was on top of uh, a consult that was, was also uh, a few hundred dollars. And so, um, yeah, modern fertility started with, uh, taking the same exact laboratory tests that you would do in an infertility clinic. If you were having trouble getting pregnant, taking them out of the clinic, making them accessible earlier in life at a fraction of the price in a really easy to access format through a simple finger stick like diabetics do that you could do at home. So that's where it all started. And then, um, fast forward until, uh, a couple weeks ago, we, uh, that's kind of the, the macro view on your, um, your reproductive health, your hormones. We ended up doing a kind of micro view and your ovulation patterns. So, um, ovulation and, and when to time intercourse and uh, insemination if you're trying to get pregnant or understand more about your cycle uh, if you're not <laughs> and um, pregnancy testing HCG another hormone in your body and uh, what you can learn about that all with an amazing 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 free corresponding app that just makes this whole process uh, so much easier so I'll, I'll pause there that was that was that was a lot <laughs> so good. And I'm so grateful that you're doing this work and that modern fertility is out there. I had um, a fertility specialist on a few months ago, Dr. Natalie Crawford, and I was telling people on that podcast, go get, go get your AMH test, do it through modern fertility. It's under $200. Like it's so easy to do. And the reason why is because I kind of I always thought I'm 34 years old. I'll be 35 by the time this podcast episode goes live. 
my whole life plan was I'm going to go to college. I'm going to get my MRS degree. I'm going to start popping out babies when I'm 22 years old. I had zero career aspirations often. I just was like, I just want to be a wife and mom. Like that's what I want to be. And my life could not be any different. I graduated college with a Bible degree, two weeks later, moved to Southern California to work for a nonprofit and then traveled all over the world through that. And then got into photography, started photography business. And now I live in New York city and I run this blog and podcast and I still shoot on the side. But all that to say is I never in a thousand years would have been the one to think, oh, I'll be living in New York City in my 30s, running two businesses, single like you wouldn't believe, (laughs) and not having any children yet. And so I started kind of freaking out last year about, oh my gosh, like I'm now in my mid 30s and I really want to have kids. And how do I learn about my body? And like, I know that you're really passionate about this, but so much of the information out there I found was like so fear-based. And I talked to a lot of specialists and they were all kind of shaming me for not looking into what my AMH levels were when I was 26, 27. And it kind of felt like, oh my gosh, like it's too little too late. And I also think because as a person of faith, I've decided to wait until marriage to have sex that because of that, I would never have problem with fertility. Now I got my first AMH test, um, in the middle of COVID, (laughs) which may or may not have been a good idea. And my results were so low. And I think that like my, my results were 0.61 and girl, I was devastated. I was like sobbing. I couldn't get a hold of myself. I just felt like my body was betraying me. And kind of after that, I just was like, I feel like everyone needs to know like what their reproductive health is like, because now I'm on a plan to like get my immune system better, to get healthier. Um, but all that to say, I feel like the so much of the pushback I've gotten when talking to people about this is like, well, I'm focusing on my career right now, or I don't even know if I want to have kids, or that's so far off in the future, or I'm not even trying to have kids right now. And for me as a 34-year-old, I'm like, how can we make people care about their reproductive health earlier on in life? And how can we, um, how can we set ourselves up for success so that it's not like now I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm 34. I have low for like, my fertility results are really low. And now what do I do? I wish I would have been knowing about this all along. Um, so yeah, do you have any um, thoughts there? <laughs> oh my gosh. I, every time I, I hear a story that I, I just resonate, that resonates with me, every time I, I hear someone, you know, talk about this, I, I just get chills. And mm-hmm. I mean, your, your career is so impressive. And I think the fact that you, you know, had this aha moment of like, oh gosh, like, let me, let me learn about my, my fertility and are now taking the time to, to use your platform to have this conversation with other women. I just, I, I think it's incredible. And, and thank you for, for sharing. I think that the topic of fertility and reproductive health still has so much stigma in our society, mm-hmm. and so much information around it. And one of the 
things uh, and starting modern fertility that was incredibly important to us is that we would approach this conversation with without fear mongering in a way that was entirely based in science um, that d- just was was neutral was giving um, our our customers information so that they could make the decisions that were right for them and the reality is that those decisions look different for for everyone and I think mm-hmm. from you know what you do this with this information to just, you know, even starting out and, and thinking about, um, your, your timeline, uh, the fact is in today's society, all of this is shifting. I mean, the average age of first birth, uh, for women in major U S cities is now uh, 31 years old. Uh, millennials are waiting longer than any other generation in the history of the U S to start their families. And, uh, this, this trend that we are seeing of more, uh, women in, in positions of, of power, uh, that, that's something that we, that, that's not going to reverse. And I think with these decisions to postpone our uh, families in some cases, uh, until later in life, we just, we need clinically neutral informative information that goes along side that so that we are equipped to make the decisions um, that, that we want. And so I, I think everything that you said resonates and that was a, a huge part in starting, in starting modern fertility. We felt like there was this massive fertility information gap uh, yeah. of just this discussion that needed to be had in a more open way so that um, we could start to help women understand that there were options and there were ways to get this baseline. And, you know, you you shared your, your AMH result. And I think the really important thing to understand about AMH is that, you know, that single AMH measurement is not indicative of your ability to get pregnant or not today. Mm. Um, But it is really helpful in understanding how your body might react to egg freezing or IVF if you choose to go in that direction. It is really helpful in understanding um, what your fertile window looks like in terms of um, menopause onset and just what your your reproductive years might look like. And so what we did at Modern Fertility uh, was we, we took that that number, that, that, um, <laughs> that one-time measurement, and we translate that into information about your body. We don't give a diagnosis. We just give you that baseline so that you can go and have a more informed conversation with your doctor and start to use that number, but also track it over time. So you mentioned, you know, uh, that you heard from doctors, you know, you should have started this earlier. I, I don't think that's a, a super productive way to to have the conversation. (laughs) Um, but I think it is important for women to understand that, yeah, you know, whenever you start to track these hormones, uh, it's a great time to start to understand where your baseline is and then how Mm -hmm. your AMH uh, is changing on a year over year basis, uh, because that, Mm -hmm. that information can be really helpful in thinking about next steps and, and timelines more broadly. Yeah. So when you're, when you're sharing all this, I feel like there's just, there's so many nuggets here. Um, and I love kind of what you said before is like, you want to shift this conversation around fertility from reactive to proactive. And so what, how would you begin to have a conversation with someone who is like in their twenties, maybe even in their thirties. And they're like, I'm not interested in having a conversation about fertility because I'm not trying to have kids right now. What would you say? That to that is exactly. Um, if you go to our website, 
modernfertility.com, the header uh, says, want kids one day. <laughs> I think, yeah. that, you know, this is the misconception. I think we live in a society where this, um, you know, the, the clinical term of geriatric pregnancy and advanced maternal age, which is uh, over the age of, of 35, I think we need a, a rebrand there. But um, Holy, <laughs> oh my God. It's to say, like, if you look on magazine covers, we live in a society where, you know, we, we see women at 40 and 50 years old um, with these baby bumps and um, kids and, and pregnancy stories. But often what we don't hear is the amount of money. Uh, that went into that process? How many cycles of in vitro fertilization went into that process? How many um, IUI attempts went into that process? If they were using donor eggs or, or not as a part of that process, and we just don't get the whole story. And so, you know, what we did is we we took a step back and we just looked at the peer-reviewed literature um, in populations of, of humans that didn't use um, hormonal contraceptive. And we looked at just how pregnancy um, rates change with age, just super straightforward. Pregnancy age, um, how that changes over time. So if you go to modernfertility.com slash timeline, uh, it's just an easy tool. You put in your age that you are now, the next age that you want your first or next child, the number of kids you want, the spacing that you want between those kids, if you have, if you want more than, than one. And it just tells you um, the, the odds of natural pregnancy at each age. And so mm-hmm. I think that there is no crystal ball uh, in terms of understanding what your specific journey might be. Um, even if you do all of the yoga in the world, uh, that doesn't fully translate, uh, that doesn't really translate at all to, to reproductive mm-hmm. health. That's a, a different dimension of your health. And there definitely is some some overlap, but I think that there's this misconception where if you feel great, your reproductive health is on the same page. And I think that the conversation um, that, that I love having with my girlfriends is just, you know, we need to look on the inside of our bodies to look at some of these biomarkers uh, mm-hmm. to understand and just get a little bit more clarity on, on where our body is on some of these other dimensions. And I think that that's just essential when we have a society and, and broader like, cultural conversation that just uh, doesn't necessarily give us all of the, the details and what went into every single one of those um, later stage or older age pregnancies. You may or may not know now, but I am writing a book. It's called Sexless in the City, a sometimes sassy, sometimes painful, always honest look at dating, desire, and sex. It's coming out in April of 2021, which is going to be here before we know it. For most of my life, it was easy for me not to have sex, but that was because my dating life looked more like the Sahara Desert than anything else. All of that changed when I moved to New York City. Many of the Christians I met were living with their boyfriends and having casual sex, and I began to ask if saving yourself for marriage was still a thing. Or was it just some legalistic, antiquated Christian norm that was no longer relevant? As I started to dive into a journey of unpacking that question, I began to ask more questions. What does the Bible really say, if anything, about sex? What are we supposed to do as single people with our sexual desire? And practically speaking, what does dating look like in today's culture? 
And finally, what if we never get married? Then what? What are we supposed to do with our lives then? I talk about all of these things in my book, Sexless in the City, and I would love to keep you up to date on all things book-related, from book tour to joining my book launch team to special in-person events, God willing. So go ahead and go to bit.ly slash TRW dash book so you can sign up to get all the updates you want and need about Sexless in the City. One of my dearest friends got pregnant last year and she was 35 and she's like, I'm a geriatric pregnancy. (laughs) And we were like, what? Like, we still feel really young. Like, what's that about? And how even that terminology, like women are able to have babies later on in life or past 35, but knowing actually they're like risks grow and here's why. Um, like for example, my mom had, um, my number five sister when she was 41 and my number six sister when she was 43. And those were really high risk pregnancies for her, um, because she had blood clots and her age and all this stuff. So those like weren't easy pregnancies for her, but I think something that, I think something that I've just gone through personally is it's like one of those things that's like on my mind, but not all the time, even though like right now it's on my mind all the time. And then I honestly feel like I've blinked and I'm in my mid thirties and I'm like, crap, like I have the career I want. I have this life I want. And I just thought all along the way that I would meet someone and it would just be super easy. And then having kids would be super easy. And I think more and more people are being honest about miscarriages and sharing their stories there. I mean, I'm maybe because I was a kid, I never heard about (laughs) miscarriages, but I feel like every other day online, someone I follow is going through like the devastation of not just one, but multiple miscarriages. And so what are a few things, like a few pieces of information that you think are like really helpful to know in starting a journey and becoming informed about your personal fertility and reproductive health? Yeah, I think that's a really great way to to start the conversation. I think that, you know, step one of of that is really just um, is understanding that this this is an area of our our health that is changing. And I think when you take a step back and you realize that we are having kids at different ages than maybe our our, our first kid, in, in your case, maybe at a different age than our our parents, our our grandparents, and that you know we we are uh, potentially thinking about our our families and and futures in, in different ways. Uh, I think being really open to having that conversation is a, a great first step. And I think, you know, in designing modern fertility, um, day one, it was, okay, we have mm-hmm. this fertility hormone test where we let you get a baseline, but we understand that that might not be the first step for everyone. So, you know, we're going to launch a blog with clinically sound, um, doctor-reviewed articles on that blog so women could start to get up to speed on the the basics. And so, you know, for for us, it was really, okay, there is this fertility information gap. Uh, Let's let's start with information. And then what is just the 
easiest first step that someone could take? And how do we design a whole experience around that? So for us, it was really um, talking to fertility doctors and OBGYNs and reproductive psychologists across the U.S. and designing this experience to be customized based on a woman's age, her hormone levels, and just fertility broadly. And, and that was really the modern fertility hormone test and the, the birth of, of that experience. Um, and then I think, you know, fast forward to um, some of our, our more recent products, uh, we launched the modern fertility ovulation test. And I think uh, while I mentioned before that the uh, modern fertility hormone test that tests between one and eight hormones and kind of the zoomed out view of all of your, your reproductive health uh, or the hormonal aspect, at least. Um, ovulation testing is um, kind of one dimension that's really important. Uh, so women uh, or people with ovaries uh, need to ovulate in order to uh, have a, a child naturally. So basically uh, there's this hormone um, that surges and you can measure that hormone in your urine. Uh, it's a hormone called LH. And basically, based on the, the time of that LH surge, that indicates when ovulation is going to um, likely occur. And then it would be at that point that you either have sex or inseminate. Mm -hmm. um, and the, that's kind of your, your fertile window. Um, but mm -hmm. for women that are transitioning off birth control in some cases, um, in other cases, women have irregular cycles or just anovulatory Um they just, they don't know if they're, they're ovulating or not. And so we really brought to market this ovulation tracker, um, and, and testing, uh, device to help women understand their unique cycles and just have more insight into their, their bodies and use that again, as another baseline to just understand, okay, where, where is my body and how can I get educated on this dimension of my, my health? So really, uh, to answer your conversation directly, I think that was literally the, the number one goal in launching, uh, the modern fertility hormone test and really just how we've orchestrated our, our whole company into facilitating this this conversation and trying to really meet women where they are and, and use kind of any, any jumping off place to, to start that conversation. Yeah. Can you dig a little bit more into the ovulation testing? Um, because when I first found out about it, I was like, Oh, that's not for me because I'm single, not having sex. Like I don't necessarily need to know when I'm ovulating. Um, but I'm so not, but, and I'm curious, like, like, is it really like worth investing into like, why, why would I do that for me? Yeah, that's a great question. So I am not uh, actively trying to conceive at the, the moment. And I have been tracking my ovulation now for, oh gosh, the past, uh, probably about a year or so. And I absolutely love it. For me, it's a way to get to know my body and uh, I don't take hormonal birth control. And so to understand uh, just my unique cycle and just 
to understand if I'm ovulating or not, it can really help me have that baseline and understand, okay, if I would try to, to conceive someday, okay, what are the basics? <laughs> what am I, mm-hmm. what am I going in with? And you know, what does my cycle look like? Do I have a 28 day cycle? Do I have a 31 day cycle? Am I ovulating on day 14? Um, am I, am I not? Uh, and you know, the way that we designed our ovulation test is, um, there's, you know, two ways that you can kind of, um, measure the amount of LH in your urine. One is kind of a threshold based test and one is more of a quantitative test. So the threshold based test is basically if you measure a certain amount of LH in your urine that goes above a certain number, it's a thumbs up. And if it's below a certain number, it's a thumbs down. But the crazy thing is, uh, for one in 10 women, that uh, they just either never hit that threshold or they're always above or always below that threshold. (laughs) So what we did is we have this little test strip where you can test uh, every day and it will tell you the actual amount of LH in your urine. And you can use our app to just quickly record that number and you can understand uh, your LH surge and just what that looks like across your cycle. And so I think ovulation is just this important part of your reproductive health. And again, getting in touch with your body, understanding where you are, is just, it's, it's incredibly helpful. And for me, incredibly empowering and just understanding my, my body and that kind of deeper dive into my cycle and, and what it looks like. Yeah, that actually, that makes so much sense. Um, so for me, I thought my whole life I had an irregular period. I was like, I don't know, just happens when it happens. And in college, I was an athlete. So I went a year without having my period in like my freshman year of college. And then it was like every three months, every six months. And it wasn't until four, I was like four years ago, I started tracking my period and only in the last year did it dawn on me that I actually have a regular period. I just was like, Oh, everyone has a 28 day cycle. And I'm like, I'm like, I feel like I'm a smart person. Like, I can't believe I didn't know that until my thirties of, Oh, actually, no, I just have a 23 day cycle. And then once I found out I had a 23 day cycle, I talked to my mom. She's like, oh yeah, like my, I have a 20, I had a 21 day cycle. Grandma had a 21 day cycle. Your sister has a 23 day cycle. And it's been so helpful for me to get to know my cycle. And now I'm like, oh, I'm definitely in my luteal phase. I'm feeling tired. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm having a ton of cravings or I'm, I'm getting really bloated. Um, and now I can like feel, I'm like, I'm about to start my period in like three hours. Yeah. Well, have you ever tracked your ovulation within your cycle? I haven't. And now I'm like, Oh my God, you've sold me. (laughs) We'll we'll send you some ovulation tests. Yeah. It was really important to us that we just brought a really accessibly priced test to market. So our test is $16 for 20 ovulation strips and a free app that goes alongside it. And so it just, it's really, accessible. It's fun. Uh, it's just, it's a way to, uh, I, I love it. It's, I look forward to waking up in the morning now because I get to 
see the amount of LH in my pee. Uh, Uh, And then the app also has cycle tracking with it. And so it's really just, you have everything in one place. So if you decide Mm. that having kids is right for you, you already have that baseline there Mm. and then can think through it. And then just because we are a company that really prides itself on clinical excellence, the track and predict algorithms that we have around predicting when your period will be the next month, calculating, uh, you know, whether it's that 23 day cycle or a 31 day cycle. um, And then where ovulation is occurring within that um, is is really what we're focused on. And then the other added benefit is that, uh, and this goes for the modern fertility hormone test and um, the ovulation test is that uh, users will soon have the availability to opt in to allow their anonymized data to be used in peer-reviewed research to move forward women's health. And so I think a a huge part of of just where women's health research is today is that we've done a lot of this research on the infertile patient population, women that are going into infertility clinics as opposed to the fertile patient population, people that are tracking and trying to understand this more proactively. And so what we are trying to, to do is provide really accessible options uh, today, but also move forward all of the, the research in this space. And so again, your data belongs to you. It's entirely opt-in, uh, but you can uh, allow your data to be used to, to push forward this research and hopefully help your sisters and friends and colleagues and listeners have uh, even more tools in the the future to support these journeys. And so that's an initiative that we're just really, really excited about as well. That's so exciting. And yeah, I think what what came up for me when you're sharing that is just the idea of you don't show up to the marathon and say, oh, it's race day. Let me start training. I feel like everything you're talking about is just like, like getting ready for the moment, you know, it's like, like things typically don't happen all of a sudden. And I think in a lot of like faith circles, Christian circles, the conversation can be like, well, if God wants it to happen, like it's just going to happen. And I believe that we are like co-creators with God and it's like, well, if I want a six pack, but I'm not willing to like change the way I eat in the kitchen and show up to the gym, like that's not going to happen. And so like getting knowledge is so powerful here. Like you're saying, because it's setting me up for that time when I am ready to have kids. And if I'm already at the place where as a single person, I'm like, I, I'm like ready to have kids yesterday. Then I want to be ready for when that time comes and not be like, wait, what's ovulation? (laughs) Like there's different parts of my cycle. Like, what do you mean? I can test that. Um, so it's just kind of being ready before the moment. I think that's like really powerful. And I want to talk with you about your pregnancy testing because I was like doing a little research on it. And first of all, I'm going to let you explain what HCG levels are, but up until like reading your website, I had no idea how pregnancy tests even work. So can you just like walk us through the science behind like, how does peeing on a stick tell you if you're pregnant? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I would love to walk you through that. Um, and yeah, just real quick, going back to your previous comment, uh, Fertility today is very much wait and see. And so again, our, our whole goal is to just take away we are living 
in 2020. (laughs) Fertility should not be this black box. And Mm. we can, we have so much information about our clean beauty products. Uh, We can dive in and understand every part of them. We have financial trackers to um, plan our our mortgages and think about our our future homes. And, And we just, we should be enabled to have more tools for thinking about our fertility and reproductive health, because unfortunately we're living in a world where one in six couples have trouble getting pregnant. And so I I think your, your six pack analogy is is spot on. It's just how do you understand more and get that baseline to, to just, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, start the the work and it's, it's, it's fun. It's a, it's a great place to, to start. And I, yeah, I just, I think that that, that analogy is great. Um, and on to, to HCG and, um, pregnancy tests. So I'm actually, I just, um, I'm recording this in my, my bathroom right now because we have some, <laughs> um, construction going on on the street outside and this is the, the most quiet room in my house. So I, I look ridiculous. <laughs> I'm literally like sprawled out on my bathroom floor <laughs> I love it. and I just popped up into my medicine cabinet and pulled out the modern fertility pregnancy test. And I love having this in my medicine cabinet because it's just this really, um, it, it doesn't, it's not pink. It doesn't have babies on it. It's just this really beautiful, um, modern take on, um, pregnancy testing. And the way that we brought this test to market is we have this really cool booklet inside that just, uh, actually walks you through, uh, what is HCG? How does a pregnancy <laughs> test work? And I think, you know, when we were diving in and doing the research here, uh, in the U S at least, uh, most pregnancy tests, um, it's an FDA regulated product. Uh, they, they're all pretty similar. Um, the biggest difference is if you have an early detection pregnancy test, um, which you can test five to six days before your first Christmas period, or um, there are some of the later detection tests where the the accuracy curve um, it's just it's better to test on on the first day of when your period would be. And so ours is uh, an early detection um, pregnancy test, so you can test five to six days before your first missed period. And yeah, the way that. Uh, pregnancy tests work is they detect a hormone called HCG in your urine to determine if you're pregnant. And basically HCG doubles every two to three days in early pregnancy. And so as the HCG in your body increases, the results uh, that you get by peeing on this, uh, <laughs> this test become even more and more accurate. And so um, that's basically the, the mechanism that you use. And uh, going one step deeper into the science, if I'm not getting too too boring. No, because I'm still like, well, why is it doubling? What is it doing? Yeah, yeah. So I'm actually, I literally, I'm opening up our booklet, uh, the Modern Fertility Pregnancy Test, and I'm reading our, our first page. And it says, why HCG, you ask? Uh, so when an egg is fertilized with a sperm and attaches to the uterus, HCG is released into the body. Uh, and then HCG can be detected in your urine about 10 days after an egg is fertilized, which makes it an excellent predictor of pregnancy. Although this is why you can't tell if you're pregnant using HCG immediately after sex is because you need mm. that uh, egg fertilized by sperm to attach to the uterus. So, yeah. You know how they say it takes a village to raise kids? Well, the Refined Collective is kind of my kid. It's my little baby. And it takes a village. And I officially want to invite you to be a part of my village. 
There are a lot of hard costs each month from software and subscription services to my team who edit and produce episodes to licensing music and all the logistics for the Refine Collective. And I would love to invite you to join our Patreon community. Patreon is an incredible platform that helps listeners financially support their favorite podcasts. You can support TRC for as little as $5 a month. And we made a bunch of fun different tiers that are jam-packed with free goodies and VIP access to our newest content. And you'll be notified before anyone else about upcoming live events. I'll also be going to you first to find out what questions you want answered and what topics you want covered moving forward on the podcast. So in the midst of a wild year, I want to invite you to link arms with my team and sharing some of the load and helping make the Refine Collective the best it can possibly be. So if you want to learn more or sign up today, head on over to patreon.com slash the Refined Collective. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Refined Collective. So then another question yeah. then, um, I feel like you are so into the science and I'm just like, I love learning facts and I'm just, I'm so curious about like what, like what part of the science in this are you most excited about? And do you feel like, like, what do you feel is yet to be uncovered or what's underway right now? Yeah. So I think that, you know, in all of reproductive health and all of fertility, we are just scratching the surface. And so in starting modern fertility, we really wanted to take these tests that were largely um, confined to infertility clinics. Um, There are only 500 infertility clinics in the U.S. and only 2,000 reproductive endocrinologists. And we really wanted to make these mainstream. We wanted to, just as women um, get pap smears uh, from their OBGYNs, our vision uh, was to really is to enable women to have their reproductive health and hormones uh, tested for as a part of routine visits. And so for us, it was starting with that, making this test really accessible and fun and just enable women anywhere to to access this information. Uh, But from there, I think what uh, we're, we're building towards is instead of just having these individual hormones, which are incredibly helpful, we spent some time talking about anti-Malarian hormone, which is secreted from the cells um, in your uh, ovaries. And while that is really important uh, for understanding so much about your, your reproductive health and where you are today, we're really interested in building out a better predictor of future fertility. And so this would combine lifestyle factors and your hormones and, um, just any information <laughs> that um, you you report to us, and that is really what we're working uh, with our clinical team and moving forward. Mm. So I think that really with all of this, um, there there's so much room to to grow, and we're really just yeah. getting started. And um, oh. yeah, so today it's about the hormone testing, it's about ovulation, it's about pregnancy, and it's about having this conversation. And I think mm. the the future we're really just getting started in terms of providing yeah. more personal and accurate information to women. Yeah. And like, I don't think that there's anything compartmentalized about our lives. I think everything is connected. Like when you're talking about like how like lifestyle or all these, or these other factors could impact like your hormones and your fertility, something since I got my results that I've been thinking about is just honestly, like is living in a city like New York city, like, like hard on my fertility. And I'm so curious about women in a city like New York city, or maybe even San Francisco, 
is for is infertility increased in cities like that? And is it because New York is more stressful, the pace is faster, or is it just because cities like that are where people are more career focused? And I mean, for the last four years, I've struggled with adrenal fatigue. And one of my doctors has been like, New York is like literally killing your body. Like, please take a break from New York City. And I'm, I'm praying through that. I'm working through that. Um, but after I got my AMH results back, I was like, crap, like, is this, is like living is part of my lifestyle in New York impacting my fertility. And it's something that I never, ever would have thought about. But when I think about how, well, yeah, like every part of my life impacts every part of my life, that's not beyond the realm of possibility to me. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I think, you know, when we were starting modern fertility and talking to to doctors, there were a lot of hypotheses or small studies that showed that stress was related to infertility in some way, or that air pollution was related to fertility in some way. Uh, and I think the, the issue with the way that some of the research is done today is, again, there's a lot of research that is done on the infertile patient population as opposed to the fertile patient population in terms of uh, women and people with ovaries that are showing up at, at clinics. And so I think that in um, Alice Dunbar um, recently published um, some amazing work on stress and fertility a few months ago showing that there there are some of these links between stress and fertility. And so I think, you know, when you really zoom in and you were talking about, you know, being a, a college athlete and missing your period certain months, um, that is a, a thing when you're putting your body under these extreme um, circumstances, you can actually... Uh, pause or, or disrupt ovulation, which makes natural pregnancy, um, impossible at, at that point, if you're, if you are not ovulating every month, but if you kind of zoom that out into, um, yeah, just your body stress, the atmosphere. I think that there, there is active research going on. This is an area that we are actively um, serving our, our customers to try to move forward the, the space. And I think, um, yeah, the, the verdict is still, uh, we, we just, we need more research that dives into mm-hmm. all of these factors. But I think that, you know, when, uh, I have conversations with doctors. It's always, you know, ha- being, being healthy and, yeah. um, not being stressed like that, that has amazing benefits on, on every part of your, your health. So it's, it's, yeah. it's a best practice. Um, mm-hmm. but still th- there needs to be more research around, you know, a mm-hmm. longitudinal AMH study, which means like measuring AMH over multiple years and understanding yeah. major lifestyle shifts, um, can change. That. Yeah. And so, you know, we hear anecdotal stories about, um, oh, you know, I, I got pregnant right after I scheduled my visit, uh, <laughs> <laughs> reproductive endocrinologists or, you know, different things here and there. And I think this is an area where there, there is some amazing research, but we still need more. Mm. And what would you say to me, a person like me who has gotten, I've gotten my AMH tested and it's low right now, or it was low for that, that one test. Like, what would you say to me about that? Or if there's like any action steps, asking for a friend. (laughs) 
(laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I think you took the amazing first step, which is getting to know your body and really having the conversation and understanding more about your body and timeline. Uh, I think that continuing to retest your AMH and understand uh, the rate at which it's declining, um, that can give you even more insight into what it is today. And then I think beyond that, um, there are a lot of different things um, to, to consider. Um, you, We have a lot of our customers that think about um, proactive aid freezing. We have a lot of our customers that are just having more informed conversations about their their timelines with their family and friends and just keeping this top of, of mind. Uh, we kind of put together that, that plan and guideline within our experience. Um, but I think the really important thing to keep in mind with AMH is that it's really, it's not an indication of your ability to have kids right now. It's really thinking about your reproductive future because as modern women today, we need more information than can I have kids right now? It's really about our, our future. So I think, yeah, you took an awesome first step to understand more about your body. And now it's really thinking um, more about, okay, what what comes next now that I have this information? How what do I want my my timeline to to look like and you know continuing to get you know more data to support that decision in yeah. whatever way is right for you. Yeah. And how often would you suggest for women to be doing the AMH test? Yeah, that's a great question. So about uh, a year or so ago, oh gosh, all of, amidst um, COVID, all of my my dates are, are um, blending together. <laughs> but we launched the ability for women to track their AMH over time. And so um, what we do within our experience is we plot those uh, graphs of AMH over time. And then we help you understand, okay, what's an average decline? Um, What's an above average decline? Because just like every woman has a different metabolism, she has a different fertility curve. So there um, are longitudinal studies, uh, so like sequential measures of AMH uh, year over year that show some women with this really steep drop-off. And it goes from, you know, 12 to zero, um, you know, way early in in life. And then there's others that go from, you know, uh, normal to very low, and then it just kind of hovers at very low for for a while. And then there's others that just kind of have this, this normal arc and, and curve. And so, uh, understanding that curve can be really helpful for, uh, continuing to have more information. And so what we've done as a part of that is based on your age and your levels, we customize and recommend that next te- next testing period. And so that can be anywhere from you know, six to 18 months, dependent on your age and levels. Awesome. That's super helpful. And then one more question and then we'll wrap up. Um, this is super helpful and insightful. You had mentioned with when you take the AMH test, it has to be on a specific day of your cycle. Can you kind of unpack what that day is? Cause I got mine and I was like, Oh, I can just do this whenever. And then I was like, Oh wait, I'm really glad I track my cycle. Um, so yeah. Can you unpack like when you're supposed to take it? And if you take it on the wrong day, does it like 
mess up with the results? Great question. So AMH can be tested on any day of your menstrual cycle. Um, AMH is fairly consistent across uh, the entire cycle. And so the variability um, doesn't really change the clinical recommendation. Um, The hormones that do change throughout your cycle are follicle-stimulating hormone, FSH, uh, and estradiol. Uh, and those uh, we measure on day three of a woman's menstrual cycle. Uh, if a woman is taking hormonal contra- contraceptive pills, uh, we do not test for those hormones because uh, oral contraceptive pills and certain types of um, contraception actually block ovulation. And so you're not getting accurate reads of those hormones. But if um, you're not taking um, hormonal contraception, um, then you can measure follicle-stimulating hormone as well as estradiol. And you can measure those um, on day three of your menstrual cycle. And And uh, what happens is um, follicle-stimulating hormone is uh, kind of jumpstarts and activates um, that initial release of the egg uh, from the ovaries. And uh, if it is in the normal range, um, it's a a normal amount of FSH that is released to kind of jumpstart that process. And if you measure FSH, if you you have a a high result, that means it's a lot of FSH that's required to jumpstart that process. And so that is uh, a proxy of um, overall, uh, reproductive health and, uh, a kind of similar, uh, FSH and AMH are, are similar. AMH is a slightly more, um, newer and, uh, more accurate measure of ovarian reserve, but often AMH and FSH are used together to have that more full picture of, you know, where is my ovarian reserve and kind of where, where am I in that fertile window? Hmm. So if you take it on day three of your cycle, even if you have like, what if you just have a three day cycle or if you have a seven day cycle, is it just like throughout the board day three? Yeah. So it's across the board. It's day three. Uh, We have a tool um, after you purchase the test that you can uh, use to kind of customize and figure out, okay, for every one cycle, which is different. Some women have uh, just a couple days of spotting. Some women have a full seven day cycle. Some have, you know, one day of bleeding and then that's, that's it. Um, We can help you um, figure that out. And then we have an amazing, amazing, amazing customer service team uh, that helps to answer specific questions. Cause yeah, it can be stressful to understand, okay, am I, am I testing on the right day? Am I going to get the right results? But we, um, we built tools to, to help that process. But, uh, for the most part, it's, it's day three. Um, and then, uh, we, we have some specific rules for around the edges. So good. Well, gosh, thank you so much. You've given me and us so much incredible information. Um, gosh, if there was just, if there's like one last thing you would want, uh, a person to take away from this interview, what would it be? You know, I think have a conversation about fertility. Mm -hmm. Fertility is a part of reproductive health. It's just a part of our general health. And I think that having more open conversations with each other about this topic, uh, we deserve that. And I think this is, that is really the next best step um, for 
for women, for humanity, for each other, uh, for for anyone that that we can take is just having these really honest, open conversations. And so, Kat, like I, I just I'm so thankful to you for having me on the show today to to have it. And I just I think that it would just be amazing if everyone listening today just took took that uh, to heart as a, a takeaway. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Afton. And how can we get our hands on all of your amazing products? Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) So yeah, you can just head to modernfertility.com and check everything out. Uh, And then if you have any specific questions or just want to drop us a line, you can just send a note to hi at modernfertility.com and we'd love to chat. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Afton. And we'll talk soon. Talk soon. Thanks so much. This has been a special week on the Refined Collective Podcast. We have been talking about all things fertility. So whether you listen to this conversation with Afton and feel like, oh, wow, like even though I'm single or I've been in a relationship for ages, I have things that I can learn about my body, reproductive health, then yay. That makes me so happy. And if you missed our first episode this week with Jasmine Starr, her journey to adopting within this global pandemic, please take a look at that. It is a really sweet, tender, and vulnerable episode. I know that there are multiple tears on both of our ends throughout the conversation, so check that out. And Also, if you are curious about my own personal fertility journey, everything from egg freezing to AMH levels to whether or not I'm considering fostering and adoption and what that whole process has looked like for me, go to patreon.com slash the refined collective and check out this week's VIP exclusive video for my Patreon members all about my personal fertility journey. All right, one more special shout out to some new Patreon members. Thank you so much for joining Andra, William A, Cassidy S, Liliana R, Trisha R, Tate B, Katie E, and Brittany A. We could not have this podcast without you. Thank you. Thank you for your support. All right, guys. Talk to you next time.